right, hello, Fit Fam. It is me, Fit Doc Michelle Reed, back with another episode of the Fit Doc Podcast. In this week's episode, we have an amazing doctor that is with us. And anytime I said amazing, you know it has to be good. Dr. Ladika Singh. She is a dermatologist with over 10 years of experience. She's currently at the Garden City Dermatology Practice in Garden City, Long Island, New York. Her focus is on acne, but we're going to talk about some other things about the use of what to do when you any types of skin. But before we get into talking with Dr. Singh, let's talk about today's hot topic. Whew, it's been a week. Um, you might have seen how all of a sudden you were at work and looked a little hazy out, and then the haze went to orange haze, and then in some places you couldn't even see anything in front of you. Well, on the East Coast, we were affected by the forest fires. There were over 250 forest fires that were going on in Canada. And unfortunately, we are talking about climate change and things like that. So we all became, I guess, exposed to climate change right there in our face. So from Vermont all the way down to South Carolina and even some of the states in the Midwest, they were affected by the smoke and the particles that were in the smoke. And what I noticed is that people who had any type of upper respiratory disease like asthma, COPD, emphysema, they were complaining about problems breathing. So for the first time, a lot of people who hadn't worn masks in years, because not everybody wore masks during COVID, people were putting on masks so that they would not inhale these particles to irritate their lungs. Because the strength of what was in those particles was equivalent to smoking 10 cigarettes. So we're going to continue to pray that eventually the forest fires, everything calms down. And then as a whole, we will work to do a better job with climate change because it is real. I am going to just jump right in with Dr. Singh. So Dr. Singh, just to get to know a little bit about you, what is one thing about you that nobody knows and I don't know that you'd like to share with us? Well, I actually grew up in Canada. I know you're talking about those fires. Um, So I grew up in Canada, moved to Texas, and then I finally moved to New York after I finished all my training. So I feel like I've experienced all different climates, you know, um, different countries. So wow i had no idea about that (laughs) i liked how you were able to tie that back in there so jumping right in um skin we all go through like rashes um acne maybe some eczema irritation when is the best time or what age is the best time for someone to start thinking about their skin regimen? Honestly, since birth. I mean, sun protection, you know, that you do that for your babies. You hide them from the sun, sun avoidance, teach them early on the importance of sunscreen. Um, You know, in terms of a set regimen, probably in the teenage years when you really need to start washing your face, moisturizing, a lot of teens struggle with acne, 
So that's a really good time to introduce a good solid skincare regimen. Now, a lot of patients that I talk to, they don't use any moisturizer. And they'll say like, well, my skin, I don't have to worry about that because my skin doesn't dry up on my face, but they'll put the moisturizer on the rest of their body or some type of lotion. So why is it important for us to use moisturizer on our face? And what are the different types that we should maybe even consider depending on what age we are? So that's also pretty individual. You know, there are some patients with really oily skin that don't need moisturizer, um, but most people could benefit from it. So one way to know whether you need it is after you wash your face, if your skin feels dry and tight immediately, then I would definitely put moisturizer on. A lot of times it feels dry and tight. We kind of go around our business and then the oils recalibrate and then it feels fine again. Mm -hmm. You know, so and there's lots of different types of moisturizers, too. There's heavy creams that are oil based. There's oil free moisturizers. Now there's gel based creams. So there's a lot available for every type of skin type. Wow. And then I personally, I had really bad acne um, later in life, probably around the time when I was getting ready to apply to medical school and didn't leave any scarring. But, you know, how, at what point in time when you have acne, should you follow up and see the dermatologist? Because I remember when I was growing up, like Clearasil was the product that you, you know, started to use if you started to have any type of bumps or pimples on your skin. So what do you recommend and when should they make an appointment to see you as they are developing acne? So a good place to start is over the counter. So mm -hmm. when you start to get your, your first breakout, minor breakouts, it's reasonable to try an over-the-counter option. Um, but if you start to get deep, painful cysts, you know, if they're scarring, then you need to see a dermatologist sooner rather than later, you know, because most people go through, go through a stage where they break out with acne, um, teenage years, whether it's with the menstrual cycle for women and it, that's okay. People can live with it, a pimple or two. Um, the real damage is done when you get the scarring. Mm -hmm. That's much harder to treat. And I see a lot of patients who had acne when they were younger and they didn't really take care of it or they weren't aggressive enough. And now they're coming to me in their 30s, 40s, and they're worried about the scarring. Mm -hmm. You know, now they want to do something about it. So as fast as we can address the acne, if it's moderate to severe, the better off we are. So now if they're coming to you at that point in time, they have scarring. What do you recommend for them to do? Well, first off, we want to stop the breakouts. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, there's a lot of things we can do for the scarring. Um, there's chemical peels if there's just pigmentation. There's laser treatments. But all those things are time intensive, expensive. Mm -hmm. And if we're still breaking out, it doesn't make sense to go down that route. So I do see a lot of patients that are very concerned about the scarring, but... Mm -hmm. You know, and some of the creams that we prescribe, especially topical retinoids, for instance, or some of the alpha hydroxy acids, they address both the acne and the scarring. Mm -hmm. But first and foremost, it's addressing the acne. Now, with acne, I know growing up, because I know things are totally different, and I'm not trying to age myself or anything like that, 
But, you know, it was always felt that it was, oh my goodness, it's something that you're eating. You're eating a lot of greasy food. The greasy food is what's causing the acne. Like what is the real like root and cause of acne that you have maybe in your teenagers and then years and going into your 20s and your 30s and 40s? So acne for, for everyone is oil plus bacteria, mm-hmm. right? So in the teenage years, we see a lot of hormonal shifts. The hormones act on the oil glands. They spew oil and then we break out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Same with you know, the menstrual acne, the, the, the flares that we see with hormonal acne in women. Um, the hormones are up and down and then they act on the oil glands and then we get the painful cysts. So it's oil plus bacteria, really. Food definitely plays a part, you know. So studies have shown that high sugary foods, processed foods, things that increase your glycemic index, increase your insulin, right? And then they increase increase your insulin growth factor. And then that all, that whole pathway acts on the oil glands. So diet definitely plays a role, Um but in teenage years and hormonal acne for women, especially, um, it's not the sole cause. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I know we were also talking about um, off camera about the importance of maybe chemical peels or even going for facials. So at what age do you recommend that someone starts to go for a facial? Because I think my first facial was probably like when I was in my like late 20s, early 30s. And now I'm hooked because I could see the difference in my skin like after I've had a facial and people like, oh, my gosh, you're glowing. Your skin looks so good. But, you know, not everybody thinks about that. And I think it also has to do with like your level of exposure. I mean, I went to the dermatologist, so I think. I'm really super sensitive since I had that really bad acne because I know that can also affect your confidence. Um, I remember I was, you know, like I said, applying to medical school and I was at a track meet with my parents and like three guys were walking toward us. And all of a sudden, like one of them was like, did you see her skin? Her skin is messed up. And, you know, I'm like, okay. They're not talking about my parents because I was in the middle of them. I guess they're talking about me. But, you know, people can be cruel. Yeah. So, you know, whatever we can do to get people to have clearer skin, because I know it affects their confidence. Like when should they start with facials and chemical peels? So, I mean, that's not, you know, again, it's pretty individual. It's not Mm -hmm. right for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And facials, they come in different varieties. So there's hydrofacials, there's facials with chemical peels. So generally, you know, the chemical peels and such, we start later on, probably Mm -hmm. after the age of 12 or so. Okay. You know, you want, you don't want to use strong chemicals on on young skin. Um, Facials in general kind of help increase circulation to the skin. They help clean up the debris. They take off, they take off the dead skin cells, essentially. So that's something that, you know, it feels good. It can give you that glow. Um, But that you could probably start younger. But honestly, unless we're really breaking out with acne, usually around the age of 12, 13, that's probably when I would start any of the in-office procedures. All right. And then with you, like, what is the youngest that you're normally seeing, I guess, like the hormonal changes with acne? I'm seeing them young now. 
mm-hmm. really young. I mean, I saw an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old mm-hmm. even with, you know, not the deep cystic painful acne, but the the blackheads, the whiteheads. Um, I think kids are going through puberty a little bit earlier nowadays. Mm-hmm. So I am starting to see that younger and younger. Okay. And usually it's mild. I, I always recommend something over the counter at that point um, just to get things started, you know, but it's showing up earlier. Mm. And now you mentioned a few minutes ago about hormones, but then you also said about foods and when you're eating foods that could increase your hemoglobin A1C. So do you think that maybe the processed foods that we're eating um, and whatever else is in the food affects your skin and that maybe is why we're seeing it at a younger age? Absolutely. Okay. Definitely. I mean, there's, there's been studies that have shown this, um, you know, the, the high sugary foods, um, they definitely act on those oil glands Mm -hmm. and people, people break out. So I know when I was growing up, they always said chocolate makes people break out, but I really think it's the sugar component of it. So interestingly, there was actually a study that looked at South Beach diet participants. Mm-hmm. It's not a diet that I recommend, um, but it's a low glycemic diet where people are really mindful of, you know, the refined sugars, refined flours, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, and they found that when patients went on this, patients who were struggling with acne, they were actually able to come off a lot of their acne mm-hmm. medications. So there's a definite tie in, you know, with acne um, and food, rosacea and food. I see that as well. Okay. And also rosacea and alcohol sometimes too, right? Right. So rosacea, you know, it comes in different flavors. Um, There's, (laughs) (laughs) there's, there's a rosacea where we see um, patients just have redness and flushing. And then there's a rosacea where we see patients have more acne like breakouts. So with the flushing, um, also with the breakouts there, people have certain triggers that flare the rosacea. So alcohol is one of them, sun, you know, hot liquids, spicy foods, um, peppermint. There's different triggers. It's not all the way across the board, but my patients definitely need to be mindful. They, they look for their triggers and try to minimize them as much as possible. That is so true. Very true. And I was going to say, you know, the other hot topic, especially in the field of dermatology is Botox. Yeah. You chuckled. (laughs) It is a hot topic, yes. Oh, no, it it really, it really is. I mean, you know, you can go basically almost anywhere and not even leave your house at that point in time, too, Mm -hmm. to get Botox because they have Botox parties. Right. So um, even some patients are coming to me and say, well, Dr. V, what are you going to start? I'm like, no, not my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. Something that I'm not interested in doing. But um, I leave it to the experts because this is your bread and butter. Like you deal with the skin. Right. Um, Botox, not just for wrinkles, but, you know, also Botox if you're having any type of increased sweating, things like that um, underneath the underarms. So with Botox, what are, I guess, maybe your top three do's and maybe your top three don'ts? So with Botox, you know, like you said, you really want to look for an expert injector. So Mm -hmm. someone that's board certified in either dermatology or plastic surgery, because, you know, you can 
take these weekend courses and learn how to inject and placement, but to really understand facial anatomy, that's something that we spent, you know, three to five years in training learning. So it's really about managing any complications, avoiding complications. So that's number one, you know, definitely look for someone who's qualified mm -hmm. and also look at their volume, see how much Botox that they inject. Um, if it's once a month or, you know, rare, then you probably want to steer clear. Mm -hmm. um, second, a lot of patients will come and they'll say, oh, I want Botox and, you know, I'm getting married this weekend. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't work like that. You know, if you're doing it for your first time, especially, you want to give yourself that sort of safety net. Okay. At least like three, four weeks before mm -hmm. a, any major event. Because okay. A, it takes a while for the Botox to kick in. It's not overnight. It takes a good two weeks for those muscles in your face to take up that Botox and start responding to it. Okay. Um, and three, I would, you know, again, it kind of goes back to number one, but I would try to stay consistent. You know, if you see the same doctor each time that you're injected, they're familiar with your anatomy. You know, if you have any sort of complication, if your eyebrow was higher last time or it feels heavy this time, mm -hmm. there, there are people to, to talk to about that. Go back to them if there's any issues. They want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. We want to know what we can do next time or how to fix it. You know, a lot of times it just means injecting a unit here and there to get you what you want. Okay. Yeah. So I know we've talked a lot from, I'll just say from A to B, <laughs> the acne, the Botox, cancer, C top three things because i know personally um people who have black and brown skin and even maybe darker skin too will say oh i don't i don't need to go see the dermatologist because i can't get cancer so anybody can get cancer it is not just a disease that we see in caucasians it's a disease we mm -hmm. see across all ethnic and racial lines um, what are some of the things that you would like to tell our audience about skin cancer? So it's something to, to be mindful. Like you said, it, you know, it can happen. Um, it's definitely rarer, you know, um, compared to the Caucasian population, but it does happen. So it's important to do your own skin checks, you know, and one of the things I tell patients to look for is changes. So if something's changing, you know, if something new pops up and it doesn't look quite like your other molds or your other growths, have a dermatologist look at it. You know, it's, it's better safe than sorry. And I see this in my clinic all the time. Patients will come in, they're concerned about one spot, you know, and it's fine. And I, I, I tell them what it is. I reassure them. And then they apologize for coming in, but it's mm -hmm. never a waste of time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's important to get these things looked at. The other thing I would say is sunscreen, sun protection, you know, that that's important for everyone, mm -hmm. all ages, all skin types, you know, practicing sun avoidance, sun protection. It's key. It really, it really does help minimize the incidence of skin cancer, reduces the incidence of skin cancer, I should say, you know, yeah. and see, the other thing I would say is learn your family history. Talk to your mm -hmm. parents, your grandparents, figure out what they had. A lot of times patients will come in and they'll say, oh, I think they had something removed from their nose at some point, or my, you know, my father had something, I'm not sure what it was. And that matters too, you know, so yearly, yearly checkup so that we can take a look at your skin. And then once a month, 
just, you know, in the shower, take 10 minutes, look over your arms and legs, any place that you can check, have your significant other or a guardian, someone look at your back, um, just to see if there's anything new, anything that looks suspicious or stands out, you know, and then, like I said, the sun, the sun protection. Oh, good. Yeah. And are we still doing the A, B, C's and D's of like, if we see something? Right, right. So and the guess- asymmetry, you're looking at the borders of the, the mole, um, you're looking at the color, you're looking at um, the diameter, the diameter, and then E, they added E, which is the evolution. Right. How so the heck did you give me an E and not tell me? <laughs> <laughs> so looking to see how much it, it's changed. It's changing, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, that's fine. I mean, you know, and I think that's something that even myself, um, yes, I'm fair skinned. I'm developing some of these moles on different parts of my bodies that weren't there. And the other day I saw one and I was like, wait a second, that one did not look the same. But, you know, I got it checked out and, and everything is fine. So I think it's really key that we don't overlook anything at all in our body. Yeah. And especially since, you know, we're I'm fit, Doc. So I'm talking about us being fit in all aspects of our life. So that's including our skin, mm-hmm. because it seems like whatever we eat also affects our outer appearance. Um, so and I'm pretty sure tying in drinking enough water also will help, too. But I guess the most important thing is that if you see something, say something, not to your friend, mm-hmm. but to your dermatologist okay. and get it checked out. Absolutely. So Dr. Singh, what is the best way for us to reach out to you? Because for all things that have to do with our skin, not just with acne, how do we um, have our lovely audience get in contact with you? So you can call us at our office, um, Garden City Dermatology, and book an appointment that way. Um, And then also on social media. We're on Instagram as well. Okay. And any final parting words that you would like to share with us? So I would say, you know, the old adage, prevention is better than cure. So practicing sun avoidance regular skin checks, um, sun protection, eating healthy, you know, doing all the things that you normally talk about. Um, it makes a big difference because once we deal with it, once we have the issue, we can deal with it, but it's much easier to prevent it altogether. All righty. So Dr. Latika Singh, thank you so much for being a part of the Fit.cast today. Thank you for having me.